What is up, y'all? Social on the Sidelines, episode 32. As always, our episodes are brought to you by Front Office Sports with each episode presented by Team Infographics. You can find them online at teaminfographics.com or on Twitter at Team Infographs. What do they do, Amara Baptist? They create fire content for everything that you may need. They're awesome people over there. We love them dearly. You should follow them and enjoy their work. Please do. Uh, today, we were joined by whomst, Amara? Jimena Penduro from the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, she does content and social for them, and it was a really awesome conversation. Um, something different, and I really enjoyed talking to her. Yeah, I mean, she has a super, super unique journey into sports, as does everybody, but the way that she went about uh, getting to that stage, especially on a, an international level, was very unique. You know, she formerly was at uh, USA Basketball, amongst other things. So that being said, uh, because it was such an interesting journey, we would like you guys to go straight into it. No ranting from me this episode to start off, although this is kind of a rant. You could you could you could say that, I guess. Anyway, we're going to start the episode. So episode 32, joined by Jimena Panduro from the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, thank you for joining us, Jimena. Of course. Thank you for uh, having me today. We are super excited to have you on this. Uh, just for people who are listening who might not know, uh, Jimena's schedule combined with our schedule has caused us to reschedule a couple of times. So we... We've wanted to get Jimena on for a long time, but she's been very busy um, with a ton of exciting stuff going on on the uh, U.S. women's national team side. That being said, Jimena, kind of the way that we get things started is talking a little bit about how you got to where you're at. So if you don't mind letting the folks know what your title is right now and then how you got there uh, in terms of your career. Sure. Um, so right now I am the content manager and social media manager for the U.S. Women's National Team, um, the soccer team. Um, I have been with U.S. Soccer since 2014 um, with the women, particularly since 2015. So it's been um, a bit over four years now with them. But I really it all kind of started um, now it would be, I think, like eight, eight, nine years um, ago when I was in college. I went to the University of Florida, obviously big, big sports school. So um, I volunteered the athletic association, um, started with operations department, didn't really love it. And then kind of by accident fell into the communications department. Um, this is 2011. So obviously, you know, Digital creative wasn't as huge. It was kind of getting a little started, mixed in more with communications, PR. So started with them, volunteered. Um, I remember my first my first game that I worked was a volleyball game. Um, and I kind of wasn't even sure what they were doing. And I quickly realized it was, you know, everything that it encompassed. And they were doing stats. They were talking to the athletes. They were gathering quotes. They were kind of dealing with the press conference. All these kind of small, different details that I had never really seen before or knew that really existed. And um, I really liked it. And then, you know, at, at Florida, I pretty much touched every sport. I did volleyball, basketball. I did multiple baseball seasons. I did soccer, um, football towards uh, my senior year, I remember. So it kind of, it grew. I really enjoyed it. And then I knew that was kind of what I wanted to do afterwards. So after college, I got an internship at 
USA Basketball in Colorado Springs and was there for a few months. Um, that was the first time that I kind of was fully given kind of complete control of uh, multiple social media accounts and, you know, all these uh, interacting with the, with the athletes and talking to them and kind of working with them on a constant basis and building relationships. Um, you know, I worked training camps, I worked championships. Um, I was a press officer for one of them when they went um, to the youth Olympics. And so all that was kind of like slowly building into what I've, you know, I do now. Um, after USA basketball, I went to US soccer and I was an intern for a little bit less than a year. And then I transitioned to my current role to with the women's team that really has like grown and expanded the last few years, but um, it really kind of started back in, in, you know, July of 15. That's a super exciting journey. Congrats. Thank you. It's, it's been interesting. Um, and then, and not, I think a lot of people sometimes ask me if I've done a ton and feels like it's always been sports. And I don't know if, if I would consider it a ton, I feel it's been a bit more selective perhaps, but it, it's always been sports. So it's kind of what I've been around always. Um, question for you. So I think it's really interesting that you went the, um, the national team route. Um, that's, is there a reason why like you chose that instead of working for a team or like, uh, ESPN or, you know, how did you decide to get into that? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I really chose. Um, I think after college, you're kind of really just looking for, for a job or, or an opportunity. And, um, I remember one of my uh, one one of the, the SIDs at Florida emailed me the the application for that USA Basketball job, and I kind of read it. It seemed interesting, and I applied for it. And the crazy thing is, I had never really you know moved away from Florida, and so I just as soon as I got it, I like packed up and went to Colorado, and then you know after that, I ended up in Chicago. So um, I don't think I really had a thought of of like professional team or league or you know, sports, uh, organization. It was more of just, this seems like a really good opportunity, a good job and something that I could do. I want to give it a shot. And then funny enough, after USA basketball, us soccer had an opening. And initially when I applied, I was like, Oh, they're both NGBs, national governing bodies. This is, this is going to be similar. And I quickly realized it was not similar at all. Um, us soccer certainly functions way more as a professional team or a you know a college um, athletics department it's just it's bigger and there's so much more going on around it and and uh than USA basketball USA basketball is 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 way smaller and really mostly attracts the attention around the bigger tournaments like world championships or olympics besides that all the all the players women and men are in you know in their leagues or in college so very different um quickly realized that <laughs> which was a big change when i went from one to the other but um it was fun. So it was, a. Uh, it, it wasn't something I picked. It just kind of almost kind of just happened. And I, I carried on with it and it, it's worked. Well, you're killing it. So good job. <laughs> Thank you. It's very nice. You talked a little bit about the journey from pretty much day one to now. I'm, I'm sure. And, and I know for a fact, things have changed a lot in the digital front uh, since you first started. Talk a little bit about what you've seen from your end working with these different uh, organizations um, and, and what skill sets have you paid a little bit more attention to, to growing in um, than compared to now? Um, and, and what would you kind of recommend uh, 
for people to be focusing in in this day and age of digital? Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy to think just back, you know, four, five, six years ago, um, seems like just night and day, but I guess it really isn't that much time. But, you know, when I, when I started at Florida, I mean, Twitter was, you know, still kind of finding its way. Instagram was very new. And so I don't think anyone truly knew what you did with each platform or how each platform to help you or what would go where or what to create for what. And so it was more of just, you know, I remember back then a lot of play by play on Twitter, which obviously still kind of happens, but very differently, um, you know, play by play of minutes, minutes of thing of what's going on on, on games or matches or meets um, graphics. It was, it was not as elaborate or as, as kind of almost like, um, this amazing work that that people are doing now motion graphics wasn't really even a thing at that point um videos were you know it was almost like just a bunch of highlights but there was no emphasis on whether these highlights were supposed to tell a story or whether you were going to do you know some more close-ups or whether the music it was all these details that i feel like we all pay attention to now were in a thing it was more of just you have information you're just trying to communicate it, and so you just post it um, so for it, when I was in Florida and I was doing some social there it was, I remember it being just so basic, like there wasn't much to it. Like I would create graphics sometimes on, you know, Photoshop or InDesign. And I mean, I'm not a graphic designer, but it was, it was just something basic. And I was like, yeah, this, this is good. And people be like, this is amazing. This is great. And I was like, how I don't, and now I think about it. I'm like, they were so bad. I don't know how without ever went out. Um, and then, <laughs> and, and USA basketball, um, the group of people that are there, the communications, there are these incredible people still very close with them, love them all. Um, but they were, you know, they were, they had been in that industry in the communications world for many years, 15 years or so. So social and, and digital and creative was so new to them. Like they still, and so when I remember coming along and I would just say like, oh, there's this app that you can use for Instagram. It was like, what is that? And so I would use it and they would be like mind blown by it. And they'd be like, yeah, you do it. Of course, do this or whatever. Or if I would try to get a little bit more cheeky on social, they would be like, yeah, go for it. Because I think it was just, it was something that wasn't fully, like they weren't fully um, aware of it or, or knew how to deal with it entirely. And not that I did either, but I think to me it was, I was also just trying to explore new things and discovering new things. And obviously I was a little bit younger. So it's just trying all these, all these different things um, that to them was, was, was like, okay, this, this looks cool. And, now I look back at, at what USA Basketball is doing and they've obviously, um, you know, they, it seems like they've hired videographers and they've hired all these other people and they're, they're doing a bit more, which is very cool because obviously they have a big platform to do it as well. Um, and I think just now, now being at US Soccer for a few years, being with the women, I think a lot of, of the, the emphasis, right, is, is trying to tell a story. And I think a big part of telling a story for for a lot of us that work in this industry is to tell the story, you need to know who you're telling the story about. And so get build, building relationship with your athletes, building a relationship with your team, knowing these people beyond just the player helps so much for anything you want to do always. I mean, it's, you know, from graphics to videos to what you're putting on your copy for social. If you don't know these people, it's, it's just not going to work. It's not going to be natural. It's not going to be good. Um, and I think that's what's what's helped us. It's helped me a lot in the last few years, um, really getting to know them and knowing almost in a way what you can get away with, you know, what's not going to bother them, what they're going to enjoy. Um, so, you know, if, if I if I had to see something that's like emphasis, I know it's not perhaps the exact skills of like creating something, but it's more of like what you're going to build kind of 
behind the scenes that's going to allow you to create better content at the end of the day, whatever that may be. For sure. Definitely. Actually, I was going to ask you um, next about, you know, I think as social media managers, we've learned, like you said, the content kind of actually really depends on our relationships that we build with the athletes we're covering for sure. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you became immersed with, because I mean, you're dealing with like super, superstars. Um, can you tell us how you built those relationships and how important it is for people that may not know that you're at every practice, every game, every, you know, I don't know what they call like shooter runs yeah. in soccer, but you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so for us, like our, you know, our whole federation, our teams, we're very different in the sense that we don't have like a clear season. Um, we, we, we basically start in January with training, like what we call our January training camp. And then it goes all the way to like November, December, where it's where we have games, but the games really are happen because of something that FIFA instructs. FIFA gives these periods of time each month called uh, FIFA windows. And so during those FIFA windows is when we are allowed to schedule games. And so it's kind of very complicated. It's very interesting and different than, you know, a season. That's why we don't, we were not able to put out, put out schedules for the year. We have to announce game by game or a couple of games at a time because it, it's, it's when the dates are going to be, it's finding an opponent. It's agreeing with the opponent that the game is going to happen. It's where it's going to happen. Agreeing with the stadium. You know, we don't have a home stadium. Uh, we're almost like, we always say we're a traveling circus because we're not based anywhere. Our, our federation is based in Chicago, but our players are all over the country. They play their club soccer in different cities. And then when they're not in season, they're in their hometowns or, you know, wherever they live. Um, and then the way we we do it is every... Every, every time we're going to have a set of games, we get together ahead of time and have training camp for a couple of days, sometimes a week. You know, if it's the World Cup, it's like three weeks. It just it kind of varies. But that means that wherever they go, I go. And it's been like that for the last four years. Um, and so I see them more than, you know, I spend more time with them than I spend in my apartment. It just it, it, that's how it goes. It's it, they they will say the same thing. They spend more time with each other than with their families. And which is hard. It's, it's a, it's a hard job. And, and, um, you know, it's, it takes a toll on everybody, but it's like, it, it's what brings us closer. We spend so much time together. Like we go, we're at breakfast together. We're at lunch together. We're at dinner together. We go to training. We're on the bus. We're, you know, in the locker room, if I need to go talk to them, like, it's just that level of intimacy has helped. And so for the, for the last four years, I've, you know, been working with the same group of people. It's, and that's the thing The especially on the women's side, the kind of pool of players tends to be pretty small. It's almost the exact same people, except for a couple here and there. And so you just, you grow to know them. And I think that that uh, creates a very close environment with, within the, theme, the team, which um, obviously they, they appreciate and it helps them feel more comfortable and perform better. Um, you know, during the World Cup, we were all on the road for 50, 55 plus days with, you know, included like six moves across France. Um, you know, if, if, if AC broke in a hotel, it broke for all of us. It's just like all these little details. Um, it, it happens as a unit. We're like this, this very tight knit group. Um, and it's just so, it's so different. Like I always talk to other people in the industry and, you know, you guys have, you have a home stadium, <laughs> you have a home Marina, um, you have, you know, your players are at your disposal pretty much because they're in your town all the time. 
if I need something from a player, I have to give her a call and be like, hey, can you send me this or email them? Or if I know they're coming to Chicago for a game, I basically go to the game and almost be like, hey, can I talk to you real quick? It's like, it's the only way I'm going to get them. And so um, fortunately, having known them for so long, if I call them, they'll pick up. <laughs> if I text them, they'll answer. And so that has been really helpful in in building what we do. And you know, because we're so close, I ask them sometimes, I'm like, do you want to do this? And they say, no, not really. And I'm like, no worries. And either we don't do it or we try somebody else or we change it. They love some of the things we do. And so they're like, yeah, I, of course, I want to do that. That's great. Um, we just have such an open relationship because of of the kind of world that we all live in, which not a lot of people are exposed to. So um, that's just I mean, that's just how it is. And it's it's very unique, which I don't think I had really realized until I, you know, the more I, I time I spend on on this environment and the more I would talk to people outside of it. That makes sense. And again, as Amara said, you've done a tremendous job in showcasing this team uh, to the world. So uh, great work. Uh, the next question I had um, is kind of a an add-on and you might've kind of addressed it in little parts, but I want to go a little bit deeper on it. And that's in terms of building up um, the strategy around the digital presence specifically for the U.S. women's national team. How do you kind of do that given, um, you know, every game that you guys are playing for a World Cup is huge, but in terms of covering overall the strategy of the team, how does it change year over year, you know, when there's not necessarily one of those big tournaments that you alluded to um, that are definitely drawing a lot of uh, more of the attention um, how are you kind of promoting things when it's not the bigger, uh, events? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a great question. I think that's, I mean, that's a question we asked ourselves all the time, right? Uh, world cup and Olympics bring the, bring the attention and, and the storylines pretty much themselves. But you know, what, what we did 17, 18 was a little, was a little more, it's a little harder. Like, how do you, how do you keep this team out kind of in the spotlight? And I think a lot of times, and it, it, it depends on, you know, we have conversations with the coaches and kind of try to find out what the, what the storyline is. What are we trying to do? Um, in 17, a lot of it was we were bringing a lot of new players. It was a lot of a lot of um, the big time players that retired. And so our coach had, had started to bring some new younger players. You know, the team itself was going through some growing pains. Like we lost games, which we had never done. We like back to back home games, I think it was, which we hadn't done in like, you know, I don't even know how many years. And so you get all this like attention of like, oh my God, what's happening or whatever. But it's, it's trying to the focus on like, Hey, this is, you know, we're, we're trying to win this thing in two years. We got to build, we got to try new things. This is the time to try new things. This is the time to bring new people in. You don't want to do it three months before the world cup. You want to do it now. If we are going to lose, let's lose now then, then. And so, you know, it, it's trying to focus on, what we're building, which I think it's always kind of like the idea in the, what we call the down years. It's what we're building for. Um, it's focusing on big time friendlies. If we're playing big, big, uh, if we're playing big opponents, it's focusing on the players and their, um, club careers, kind of what they're doing there. You know, it's, it's, uh, focusing on, on records or on milestones that they're reaching, um, kind of just, you know, we, we, as U.S. soccer, we've created two tournaments. Um, that are, you know, two of the most competitive tournaments in the world. We have the Shoe Believes Cup and the Tournament of Nations. And those are usually, they happen in March and in August. And um, Tournament of Nations on um, 
only non-World Cup and non-Olympic year, but she believes Cup pretty much all the time. And it's it's tournaments that bring in teams like Germany and France and, you know, England and Brazil and Australia to the U.S. And a big reason why we do that is because not only is it high caliber competition for our players, and so it, it kind of always keeps them in that elevated um, kind of competitive nature of always playing against the best, but a lot of those countries don't get the attention in their own countries. And so we're bringing these incredibly talented women to our country for our fans and, you know, international fans or whoever to see them. And, and, you know, these games are on TV. And so we're covering them in a way or another. And so it's always just trying to keep the spotlight on our players, on our women, on our team, you know, whether that is a, a win or is a, a loss, it's, Hey, there's, it's fine. And what we want to do is we want to win a fifth world cup in 2023, which I can't say I'm, I can believe I'm saying that, but that's kind of, you know, we have the Olympics coming up next, next summer already, which is, you know, eight months away or something. I mean, we're already prepping for all that, but after that, or sorry, more appropriately prepping for Olympic qualifying, which is at the end of January, February. So um, that's coming up immediately. And so after that, it's just, you know, the Olympics, and then we're going to have two years basically of like, okay, what, what now? And it's just, you know, what we focus on is the games here and there, whether we're going to cities, whether our players are doing certain things, um, how the games are going, you know, what they're doing in their clubs. It's just trying, our, our seasons never end. I mean, they're always doing something. It's just, you know, the tournament is not something everybody pays attention to. Um, so a big part of our strategy really for kind of year, I mean, every year, not just World Cup or non-World Cup years is every time we go into cities, we try to find connections to the cities, whether it's with other professional teams, like we did with the Lynx, um, or, you know, or any other, um, any other group of people or organizations and create something, you know, try to collaborate because it reaches a different audience that we're not going to reach. And we have the slight advantage of because we're a national team, we get to be fans of everybody. And everybody really gets to be fans of ours. So it's not like if we go into Portland and do something with the Trailblazers, we are doing something against the Timberwolves. It doesn't work like that. We're friends with everybody, which kind of, right. you know, works for us. And so that also helps us, you know, get get a little bit of attention or or like, hey, we're still here. We haven't gone anywhere. Um, it's kind of our really our only way because soccer as as much as we're trying to make it you know the the preeminent sport in this country is still is still kind of not there yet and so that's our goal to make it to make it bigger and make it relevant and make people pay attention well you're welcome in portland anytime so just come on over (laughs) and back to minnesota (laughs) um so you said you said that you were on the road for like 55 days, which to me is absolutely insane. Um, I was, we were on a road trip that was like 16 days last season and I, I legit thought I was going to die. So I don't know how you did that. Can you talk about um, how, like, what, are, what is your process, like your personal self-care process? Uh, because, you know, we're always online. We're always, you know, reading things. How do you kind of keep things in perspective and take care of yourself in the midst of something that crazy. It's funny to just say that. I don't think, I wish I would have, I, I, I don't think I did that good of a job during the world cup about it, but we won. So it's kind of, you don't even think about it. Um, 
But normally right. our 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 normal road trips, like for camps, tend to be between fifteen, you know, six to fifteen days. Sometimes they're a week, sometimes they're two weeks. That's kind of the norm. That's usually how we're on the road. World Cups and Olympics are a rarity because we tend to have like, you know, send off games and we have pre camp, then we have and then we just kind of go on forever. And so um I think for me is you know, I I kinda have a, a a schedule of some sort, obviously, that's just like uh, an actual, like, you know, social schedule, work schedule. But then for everything else, it's just like, you know, I honestly just like we have a little um, group on the road. Obviously, it's like myself, a couple of videographers, our PR person, and we just kind of, you know, hang out with each other. We go out to dinner if we can. Um, you know, we'll go out, get coffee somewhere. Um, in Paris, weirdest thing, a friend of mine that I hadn't be, been able to see in forever, he was in Paris, I was in Paris. So we met up and like kind of spent the day because obviously we have, you know, free days here and there. So um, one one of the days, I think I didn't watch any TV or any shows or anything when I was in France. The only thing I watched was Stranger Things. I don't know why, but that was the only thing I watched, which obviously came out July 4th. Um, so it was, to me, it's just kind of like, either disconnecting myself from it or kind of talking to friends back home or just talking to, you know, people that are with me on the road, kind of going through the same thing about different things. Um, obviously during the world cup, this is the other thing that's going on is there's games on TVs, right? The other teams are playing and it's kind of interesting to watch. I mean, I don't have to do anything for them. I just get to pay attention even though most of the games were in French. So I really don't even know what I was watching, but it was great. Um, so that's international obviously it's a little bit different than when we're domestic domestic is it's easier i mean i you know you you, you can go to the gym because your your sleep schedule is a little better because you're not trying to deal with the seven hour difference back home and so um we obviously travel all over the country which i really enjoy because a lot of times is the only way i get to see friends to live somewhere else um it's like hey i'm going to your city let's meet up for dinner it's kind of the only way otherwise they text me and they're like, hey, I'll be in Chicago this weekend. And I'm like, well, I won't, which happens way too often, way more often than I would like to. And so um, I think to me, it's it's uh, I think more than anything, it's just kind of meeting with meeting with people that often don't do what I do, which is kind of fun. And, you know, we get to talk about other things. So that's that's pretty much how I unplug myself, quote unquote, from it a little bit. That's cool. For sure. Um, one question I had kind of in regards to you being on the road, but more so just in general, in terms of your day to day, which I know is a very cliche thing to ask because digital professionals day to day is a lot different depending on which organization you're in. But that being said, um, given that you've been in U S sports for a little bit in your current day to day, um, what are kind of the go-tos and, and the processes, you know, when you are on the road, like what is your staff size kind of like? And then how do you work with them? Um, just because everyone's role is a little different, like I said, in digital, like, are you doing the graphics? Are you capturing live content uh, solely from a phone? Is it camera? Um, just talk a little bit about all the different skills that, that you're doing while you're, you know, covering something live and then what you're working with from a team perspective uh, on, on the digital staff, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, on the road, it's me, uh, a photographer, a full time photographer, and then we have two videographers. That's that's our staff. And so, um, usually, what we do is any live content tends to happen from my phone. You know, we're at training. Um, 
you know, everything that gets posted on every platform is, is me. Um, and then our photographer, obviously him and I have also been working for, for many years together. So he'll take photos immediately kind of upload them to this folder that we have. And so I, I can download them right away, like before even training's over sometimes. So that's, that's how I work on the photography side for graphics. Um, we have, we actually have a, um, a graphic design company that works for us, but, um, we're, I think we're, you know, at some point going to hire a, a, a graphic designer soon, but, um, the, usually the, the graphics, um, company, the, the agency, they create the graphics for matches for, you know, all the, the pre pre game, pre match stuff that we need to kind of share, whether that's ticketing issues or match guide or the various communication things that need to be sent out. Um, and then for videos, you know, our two videographers are usually shooting training. We, if we have any sort of specific content videos or content, um, kind of just like specific series that we need to shoot obviously they're they're uh shooting that it's it's interesting because you know like a big thing of of not having a home studio is or a home arena is we we have to create our studios on the road and so when we're shooting videos with them you know we have this thing that we call our, our comms office which is basically just a conference room at a hotel room and our videographers you know like move we, we move tables we move chairs we try to put lights here a backdrop here sometimes we don't have backdrop we put them against the window we just kind of have to improvise to try to find good lighting or good angles. And a lot of times it's not ideal and it's not what we want, but it's what we're going to get. And um, it's not it, it's not always the best. And sometimes it can get be a little frustrating because obviously you want to do better things, but it's it's this is not possible. It's, it's what we have to work with. And so, you know, we have hours. We have an hour or two hour in a day to get things done with players because they have meetings and they have recovery and they have team meals that they have to go to. And then obviously they have free time, which they want to, they want to have. And so, um, a lot of it is I manage our little group in, in camp and I, you know, I create the content plans and anything we want to do. Um, usually I, I brainstorm a couple of weeks before, and then we have like a, a meeting pre-camp with those three, four people and kind of say what we're going to do, say how we're going to do it. And then I reach out to the players and basically ask them, Hey, do you want to do this? Are you cool? Do you want to be part of this? You know, most of the time they're, yeah. Um, and then obviously I think getting to know them, I've, I kind of know which ones might say yes to which things. Um, you know, if some stuff is sillier. I know usually a couple of players will be down for it. If something's more serious and I know to go to them. Um, I know some of them won't like something, so I just don't even ask them. Um, so it's, it's a lot of, of what we do on the road is, is kind of like on our feet. Sometimes, we, sometimes we have something scheduled and then our team, team, team manager comes and it's like, Hey, there's a meeting now you have to move it. And so, because the coaches scheduled a meeting and obviously anything coaches do is, is always going to be more important. And so sometimes we have to scratch it. We just don't have time to shoot it at that point. And not only are people, not only are we shooting it, but then you have to, have it edited and done the next day because the game is a day after. And so it's just so many times we're, we're trying, we work in an incredibly fast environment in the sense of our camp is happening within seven days. So we have to, you know, come up with this content, shoot it, produce it, edit it and post it within those seven days. And so sometimes it works. Sometimes, sometimes we have a little bit more time. Um, a couple of times they're like, nope, can't do it. And we just, you know, scratch it, which kind of leaves us uh, trying to figure out what else, but um, it's kind of the, the environment we work on. So, you know, our, our, our day today is, is very different on the road. I think every time depends on the camp, depends on the city, honestly, sometimes depends on our, 
on our room. I mean, sometimes we have a great room that's huge. Sometimes we have a tiny room and we can't even move the table. And so, you know, we're asking the hotel, like, hey, can we borrow some stools to shoot this? And the hotel's like, no. And we're like, great. So um, it's just, we kind of work with what we've got. And so I think anytime, anytime a content piece turns out pretty much like we, uh, we envisioned it, it's, it's a big win for us, I would say. For sure. Um, okay, so last question we have. Um, we always ask our guests um, what advice they would give to young professionals trying to get into uh, sports or digital space. Um, so what would your advice be? Hmm. I think I think usually somebody asked me this recently, and I think what I what I told her she was a, she was a woman too. It was um, kind of ask questions, you know, like meet different people, ask questions, try to find out more. Because to me, you know, the the way I even kind of found this this job or this profession is almost by accident, and and because I wasn't aware of everything and all the different roles that exist in sports. People just think athletes, coaches, admins. That's pretty much it. And then there's there's so much. There's so many people that are working in this organization for all these different things. And you know, you're gonna find what you like. And and in some, you might not be. You, this might not come natural to you, but but who knows? You might be the most incredible at event planning, and then you can run an entire game, which we obviously have an incredible, you know, events operations department that has to adapt to every stadium we travel around the country. So it's it's ask questions, meet people. Um, obviously, you guys are 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 doing this on social, but social media is such a huge way of of meeting people. I think you know finding everybody on on Twitter and social is is such a huge thing. I. I you know, I know all these people that I say I know them, but I don't know them. I know them on Twitter, but it, it's still like you you're so in awe of their work and you love what they do. And and you almost feel like you can ask them questions and because you're in the same boat in different ways, but all in the same boat at the end of the day. So building relationships, asking questions, being curious, I think it's always key when it comes to to sports, because it's such a such a huge, complex industry that you know, changes every day. And, and it's obviously very appealing, but um, I think there's, there's just so much to it than, than just, you know, being a cool job. It really, there's just a lot to it. It's, it's, you get a chance to do some incredible things and work with incredible people. And I, my favorite part is you get to see these people achieve their dreams, which is just, you know, you're there with them when they're going through all these, these moments and injuries, and then they win it all. And it's just, that's the most incredible thing. I bet. Thank you so much, Jimena. Um, final thing. It's not a question, but where can people find you at on... Actually, it is a question. Where can people find you at on <laughs> social media? Um, the big one's my... It's just my Twitter, um, which is emetmod, which is J-I-M-E-M-A-U-D. That's just kind of where I go and talk sports or, you know, Emmy dresses or whatever. It just kind of varies. <laughs> Twitter is the goat. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us today. Um, and good luck in the forthcoming months. And we hope you come back to Minnesota and to Portland. For sure. I hope so too. Minnesota was lovely. Thanks for everything over there, guys. It really was. For so, sure. I'm, I'm sad we didn't get to meet, but next time. Next time. All right. Thank thanks you. for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Social on the Sidelines. As always, our podcast is brought to you by Front Office Sports, and each episode is presented by Team Infographics. Where can you find our friends?
Shabbat. Look, look, people. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Every time I say it, I'm just going to, you know, you by this point, we said it at the front of the episode. I'm going to say it again just to remind you. You need to send us a screenshot of you visiting this for a special prize. And <laughs> you'll see you what the prize is. Right when you l- Listen, fam, just go to teaminfographics.com or follow them at Team Infographs. Send us a screenshot and you'll see. Amara doesn't even know what the surprise is because I'm the only one that knows what the surprise is. But if you send it to me, it'll be a surprise. Maybe what you'll get I a prize. You? you already follow them and visit their site. But okay. if you screenshot it, okay, sure, fine, send it to me. I'll you can see the surprise too. Okay. Thanks for <laughs> listening, friends. Have a wonderful Thank day. Thank you so much. Yes, you should have a wonderful <laughs> oh day. My gosh, I'm getting just the last word. It. Okay. Just no, it. I'm not gonna end it. Okay, Amara. I like the podcast. I like our listeners. Maybe they want to hear more of me. Maybe they want to hear don't. less of you. They huh? do not. Nope. False. People, retweet this podcast going out if you want to hear more of me and like if you want to hear less of me and more of them i'm gonna win this i'm gonna win this because likes always win okay no it's the front office sports tweet if you guys retweet that it's more shabazz less amara if you like it it's more amara less shabazz she's probably gonna win because she has clout on the interwebs and she's famous and she's gonna put it out there that you know she's Look, this is this is what happens when you're co-hosts with Amara. The clout wins out. Ooh, it's a lesson kinda, in life. Clout like wins that. out. Clout wins out. Okay, that's my new tagline, and clout it's only applies out. to Amara. All right. Well, on that it's been, note, it's been a pleasure joining someone with as much clout as you, Amara. I'm gonna keep you know. annoying you because I'm trying to get the last word in. Peace out, everybody. Tell Amara she has clout. Hashtag. Clout wins out. Tweet it at her. You'll get a prize if you do that, too. (laughs) Hashtag clout wins out. Peace out, y'all.